thousand sparkling stars upon a midnight summer sky. The majesty and wonder of the ocean's endless tide. And the more I see, the more I can't explain how the one who set the world in place would even know my name. And I'm amazed, I'm so amazed How great you are, how small I am How awesome is your mighty hand And I am captured by the wonder of it all And I will offer all my praise with all Well, amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 41 to begin with. <clears throat> this morning I told you that tonight I was going to do something a little bit different. We're going to uh, basically try to um, educate a little bit on how to help people see the need for baptism. All right, so we're going to talk about that. And as I mentioned, I have a PowerPoint that... Uh, I put together some years ago now, 
And I think it's important that, you know, we had originally planned years ago to buy tablets and put it on tablets and have teams go out with tablets and all of that. But it hasn't been very long ago that everybody has an iPhone, everybody has a tablet of sorts or some kind of electronic device that could utilize this as a tool in helping you to share with your converts the great need for baptism. So I'm going to actually show you the, 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 the PowerPoint and kind of walk through it a little bit, talk a little bit about it, and give you, kind of train you on how to use it so that it will be, you know, a tool that you can use uh, as you move along in your Christian life and as you try to help others to take those steps of obedience. So we want to begin, first of all, we're going to share a few things in the Bible, and then we'll, we'll gear that all up, we'll get that all going. But uh, take your Bible, as I said, and turn to Acts chapter 2. Again, in Acts chapter 2, we are very aware that Christ has died on Calvary already, and he resurrected the third day. And uh, honestly, I, I'm convinced that he literally was in the grave three days and three nights. And he rose again, and uh, just like the Bible said. And, and he, he ultimately begins to, uh, uh, he, he ascends to the Father, he comes back, and, and, and he's on the earth, and he's training and teaching his disciples for a period of time. And then he ascends back to the Father. And uh, when he ascends back, of course, he gives them some instruction. And he lets the disciples know some things. And um, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But ultimately, we see that they're to wait till the, they're endued with power from on high. And they're to wait in Jerusalem. And what he's talking about is the Spirit of God that he had promised them in, in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, he told him, I won't leave you alone. Although I'm going to leave, it's actually better for you and others that I leave because when I leave, you'll do even greater works than these. And so you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now we see the Spirit of God descending in chapter 2. And we, we, we see a number of things happening at what we call Pentecost. 3,000 souls are saved. Uh, boy, they hear each other speaking uh, in their own language and it's interpreted and things like that. We often refer to that as tongues. Let me tell you what, the modern tongue movement is not the biblical tongue movement. It is different. Let me tell you that. First of all, they heard in their own language. They heard in their own language. They heard in their own language. You get where I'm going with this now. Okay, that's what happened at Pentecost. So you can't take Pentecost and apply it to the modern uh, uh, movement of tongues because nobody's speaking in, hearing in their own language. They're hearing in a foreign language, and somebody has to interpret, which don't misunderstand me. In Corinthians chapter 14, Paul addresses that. Don't misunderstand that. I get that. But my point being is, is that, is that this is a very unusual, very unique situation we find in Acts chapter 2. And now we're going to find here that, that these that were saved did some things. Now watch what they do here. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, notice the Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. 
Now, again, we're going to take this and we're going to make some applications today, all right? Doctrinally, we're not going to get into this so much, but I want to get into it in application. First of all, if we're going to get into it doctrinally, we have to remember there are only Jews present here. There are no Gentiles here, so we don't want to get into all that mess, all right? Because it gets a little complicated when we start looking at that. Um, so I, I don't want to get into all of that right now. What I want to address and deal with primarily is this issue of baptism, though. And I want to kick it off so that we can get into the, uh, the, 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 the uh, presentation that I have for anyone who's been saved and needs to be baptized. So here in chapter 2, verse 41, we're going to notice a couple things. We notice something about baptism. <clears throat> there were 3,000 people that had uh, believed on the Lord, okay? Now here they are. <clears throat> they're being baptized. There's a couple things. First of all, baptism in this particular case identifies you with a body of truth or doctrine. We see that in verse 41 when it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. It's a body of truth also that they're receiving. They've been told and taught in chapter 2 that, that they were the ones that crucified Jesus Christ. So what must we do? What's, what do we have to do in light of the fact that we crucified the master? Well, of course, he tells them to be, to be uh, uh, saved and, and, and to, to believe and be baptized. We know that, okay? And so he tells them that, and they follow through. And so, nonetheless, we see here that it identifies them with a body of truth or a body of belief. Not only that, but baptism identifies them with a body of believers. Now they're baptized into this particular group, this, this body, if you will, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. Now they're part of something. They're, they're, they're a part of, a, of a, a body, a body of believers. And that's important to understand. Baptism identifies you with a body of belief, but also with a body of believers. And that's very important to understand. Now, baptism, as a result of that, involves you in a body of work then. Because if you're part of the body, then you have a function. Therefore, you're to be involved in the work of the body and involved in it. Now, we have to be very careful when we talk about being baptized into a body because in the Word of God, baptism is, addresses two different types of baptism primarily. You see water baptism, you see spiritual baptism. On one hand, you have people being baptized into a body of water. And then on the other hand, you see people being baptized into the body of Christ. So you have to make that distinction in the Scriptures. Is it literally talking about water or is it talking about the spirit, or into the body of Christ. That's very important. Now, in our case, we are baptized in water, but that doesn't place us into the body of Christ. We are also baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So when I trust Christ and receive him as my Savior, he baptizes me, the Holy Spirit baptizes me or places me into the body of Christ. Remember we talked about some of that this morning. But that, that water up there does not do anything for me other than clean me off. But it is a picture of some things, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments, okay? But baptism identifies you with a body of truth. It includes you in a body of believers, and, and it involves you in a body of work then. Now, I, I'm going to say this, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm trying not to get too deep because we could spend easily a whole lesson on this or more, but let's say that back here are the apostles, okay? And um, <clears throat> David, why don't you come on up here, Okay. Cody, why don't you come on up too? What, what transpired and took place is that the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, died, was buried, and rose again. Now, we see that baptism in the New Testament is very important because we see people, after believing in Christ, being baptized. 
But here's what happens. Remember, you are identifying with a body of belief and a body of believers. Very important. So now here's, here's, here's how it works. So in that early church, the apostles then had the body of doctrine. And it was pure doctrine. It was from the Lord Jesus Christ, from God above. And ultimately, we see that through the, the, the apostle Paul, even the New Testament, the majority of it was written. 13, if not 14 books of the New Testament, identifying, addressing specifically the church. And, and, and I'm telling you, the church in this age, this dispensation. And so here's what's happening. The apostle says, okay, listen, Jesus Christ died for you, was buried and rose again. You need to believe on Jesus Christ. If you believe on Jesus Christ, plus or minus nothing, no works at all, no works whatsoever, simply Jesus Christ, his finished work on Calvary, his precious blood, then you can be saved. Do you believe that? Do you receive him? He does. So guess what happens then? He gets baptized. So he gets baptized. Down he goes, up he goes. Now here's the thing. Yeah, now he needs a chiropractor. But this guy, listen, let me tell you this. The apostles, they died. But the body of truth didn't die. The body of belief didn't die. And, and, and the purity of that truth and belief did not die. There were people that gave their lives to ensure that the, not only the word of God, but that the truth of the word of God continued. So this guy now, he goes out into the ministry and he finds somebody and leads them to Christ. And, in, and through the local church, mind you, not himself. Listen, there's no place for rogue Christians. Everything operates and flows through the local church. That's how God established it. That's how he, he, he set it up. So this guy here, the apostles, they were given a great commission. We'll see that in a moment. And they, they went out and they reached the world. And the apostle Paul goes out. And what did he do? He went out and won people to Christ and established what? New Testament churches. And the body of truth, the body of belief, and the body of believers identified with someone and something. Identified with Christ and his word and truth. Now watch. He then, this guy's off the scene now. He's gone. This guy goes out. And in his generation, he reaches people. And he tells them the same exact message that he heard, the same exact thing that he was taught and told. The very same salvation that he uh, had received is the salvation that he shares. The same Christ, the same salvation, plus or minus no works whatsoever. And that guy says, yeah, I believe that. He says, well, you want to receive Jesus? Yeah. And so he, through the through the local church, the ordinance of the local church, the authority of the local church, then baptizes that young man. There he goes and up he goes. The local church, it's established. It's grounded. It's established. You got to understand that. Through the local church. Now watch this. This body of belief, the person and the, bo- the, the package, if you will, are all the exact same And so, therefore, this church sent out a man. That man began an exact same kind of church that had the exact same message and had the exact same Christ, and he began to win people and to baptize people, and ultimately someone came from that church and had the exact same message, the exact same Christ, and baptized people and added them to the church as well, and it went on and on and on and on and on to this very day. Now watch, this is why baptism is important too. And I didn't know if I'd get into this at all, but let me say this. It's, it, I'm, and I'm saying I'm getting into it already, okay? But the fact is, is this. That is why as a Baptist church, we do not accept other churches' baptisms. Because 
the message and the Savior have to be exactly the same. Not close, because salvation is not plus or minus anything. It's all Christ. And the baptism, according to the Word of God, is submersion. You have to be totally submersed, because we'll see in a moment, there's a picture involved. But the authority that you're being baptized with is rooted way back in the apostles. It's all the way back there in Acts. It's back there where Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and salvation was by grace through faith. And here we go, carrying this truth all the way through from church to church to church to church. Now watch. If I literally had a child, this is getting, it's hard for me. But say David, <laughs> David was my child. I, I, I'm okay with that. And David goes out and has a kid. What does that make him? My grandson, right? Now say that he then has a kid. Going over there. No, going over there. And he has a kid. Boy, isn't that scary? <laughs> now wait, I'm all the way back here. What does that make him? My great-grandson. Go ahead and switch. He then has who? What's that make him? Now watch. We can carry that out all the way out. But you want to know something? The bloodline is pure. It's still, all my, my, it's still through me. It's still part of my loins, so to speak, as the Bible would say. It's all part of my, 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 my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, all the way down. Now, hold on. Someone else shows up, just walks into the picture and says, hey, I'm in the family. Really? By what authority? Since when? I mean... There's a line that's been carried on from the beginning all the way through. You can't just enter in. You can't just join up anytime you want. You got to get in through the authority. I'm the, de- I'm the one that originally started this, so to speak, and it was carried on and carried on and carried on, and there's a bloodline, so to speak. Let me tell you, the church has a bloodline. It began with Christ. Listen, just because someone says that we're part of a church doesn't make it a biblical, scriptural church. Therefore, its baptism is not authoritative. You can be baptized in a church that doesn't have like faith, and let me tell you something, it ain't a like baptism because it's no baptism at all unless there's salvation by grace through faith alone. Now again, I know that comes across as being a little bit intolerant. That comes across maybe as being uh, kind of elitism and somehow you think you're all right and everybody else is wrong. No, it's just that it began with Christ and we see that it started in the New Testament. And, every, and, and, and listen, the fact is, is that baptism identified them with a body of truth and belief. Listen, go ahead. You run out and start a church on your own. Just jump out there and do whatever you want. Bypass the local church. My friend, let me tell you something. You're not starting that in the authority of the word of God. Because, see, there has to be a bloodline. You don't just jump in when you want. You don't just go off rogue and do whatever you please. You have to get in on God's terms. You have to follow through with God's plan. And that is through the local church. The authority to baptize is not found because I'm the pastor. That's not why I get to baptize. I baptize because the local church gives me the authority to baptize on behalf of the church, which is ruled and run by Jesus Christ. It is his beliefs. If we deviate from the beliefs of the word of God, if we start to peddle any other salvation other than that, which Christ himself shared and gave, then we are to be accursed. That's what the Bible says in Galatians. Now, so 
It's important then. People are to be baptized because it identifies them with a body of belief, yes. It identifies them with a body of believers, without a doubt. But baptism's important because it continues something that began all the way back there with the apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why if you come from a Methodist church and you were sprinkled, we're going to double check your salvation. Make sure that you understand what salvation is. And if you, can have, if you have a good salvation testimony, if you were sprinkled, you weren't biblically baptized because biblical baptism, the way God intended it to be, in order to be part of the local New Testament church, was immersion. So therefore, you're going to have to be immersed if you want to become a member of Community Baptist Temple because that's how it was done in the Bible. And we are part of a long line and generation after generation of local New Testament independent churches. Now, they weren't always called Baptists. But I tell you what, you can go a long ways back and find them. And I'm not going to argue that with you, but let me tell you something. You'll look at churches across the country, and I'm telling you, there's something to this thing. All I'm saying is, we need to be careful. Baptism's very important. It serves a purpose, and it's a biblical purpose. It's not just because Pastor O'Donnell wants everybody to get baptized in his baptistry. Pastor O'Donnell wants everybody to fit into his little mold. No, that has nothing to do with this. It has to do that long time, way back there with the apostles and the Lord Jesus Christ. It all began. And there's a body of belief and there's a body of believers. And the local church is established. And each local church goes through and, and bears another local church and another local church and another local church. And to this very day, do you know that this church began out of another Baptist church? You say, why? Because that's where the authority was. Do you know that they baptized and because we are, have an authority, because we are out of and from a local New Testament church that has the same body of doctrine, the same Savior and the same belief system as the church before it and the church before it and the church before That's why it's important, young people, that you better stay pure and clean and quit messing around with all this mess that the world has to offer because before it's over with, you're going to lose the truth and you're not going to be in that succession and you'll have no authority and no power. So it's important that we get in line, so to speak. And so everybody's baptized and added to a local New Testament church. Our church started because I came out of a local New Testament church that was following, believing the same exact doctrine that we're teaching right now. And you know what? Every church that comes out of ours needs to be teaching and sharing the same exact doctrine and grounded and founded on the same exact Savior, Jesus Christ. And their baptism has authority because they are born out of a local independent Baptist church that we can trace its roots all the way back to the apostles. Someone says, well, I would differ with you there. That's fine. I don't know where yours came from, but I do believe mine came from the apostles and from Jesus Christ. So you know what? Just like I believe I got a Bible and others say there's no Bible that's pure without error, I, I just got this idea that I have one that does. Have no error, no error whatsoever. Because I'm just stupid enough, I guess, dumb enough. I guess I'm just that way. I don't want to believe in something that has holes all in it. I believe that Bible is without error. And so, you know what? I, I think we need to follow that book. And baptism is something that we are told to follow. And we need to continue to, to, to baptize. And so, let me, thanks, fellas, I appreciate it. You make good sons.
grandsons and great-grandsons. Yeah. See, another thing that baptism does, it confirms the decision. Again, and we can look in verse 41 and we see that. It confirmed a decision. I mean, they put their faith in Christ and now they're baptized as a result of their belief. It confirms something. I'm going to tell you, how many times have you gone back and thought, I would never have been baptized if I didn't mean it. I wouldn't have done that. I think baptism is important. I think it confirms the decision. I think there's a time when we go back and we say, oh yeah, I would not have been baptized otherwise. Now again, I'm talking about people that understand what baptism's for. You say, well, I know a bunch of people were baptized. They don't have a clue what it's all about. They were baptized as babies. I know they didn't understand what it was about the first time. They're not going to have any clue. Therefore, it doesn't mean nothing. And it really doesn't. You don't find that in the Bible. It's not biblical. But if you get biblically baptized, if you actually make a conscious decision to be baptized and you understand what baptism is about, it is associated with, it is tied to an event in your life. And what is that event? Your salvation. Boy, I tell you what, it confirms a decision. Not only that, it commences a direction. In this case, the Bible tells us right there in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. So what we find is, is that that baptism, it's, it's sent them on a, it, it, it helped, to, helped to get them on the right direction and going the right path. They, they're doing things different than they were. I'm telling you, if you can't get somebody in the baptismal waters, there's, it's very unlikely their life's going to be transformed and changed. If they're not going to be willing to be obedient to this, this ordinance of baptism, the local New Testament ordinance of baptism, baptism that has only, no, only has authority within the context of the local church because it identifies them with a body of belief and because it identifies them with a body of believers, if they're unwilling to be identified with a body of believers and a body of belief, then my friend, there is ve- it's very unlikely they're going to open up that book and start walking straight. It's not going to happen. Now, let, let me, let me it, it's important. Baptism is. It's so vital in a life. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 then. Let's turn there and then we're going to look at this PowerPoint. Well, the church has perpetuity. It continues through history. And the authority of the local church is rooted all the way back in Christ and the apostles. If we deviate from the truth, then we step outside the authority. Well, that's why it's important that we don't throw away things that matter. That's why we better, uh, as the Bible says, walk in the old paths. We better be careful that we, continue, that we don't remove the ancient landmarks, because it identifies us all the way back there. We don't want to lose our identity. Look what's going on. Look at the identity identity crisis in America today, gender identity crisis. Look how much confusion it's causing causing in America today and in the lives of people. Look how it's affecting people's emotions and how it's affecting their, their, their mental states. Let me tell you something. The church, is. it's important that we don't lose touch with our roots. It's important that we stay and remain faithful, that we don't lose identity through, from, from our past, that we stay connected to it, that we understand who we are and what we are in Christ. Otherwise, we too will be confused. We see some evidence of that in the churches across America. It's sad, really. But nonetheless, 
Notice what it says in Matthew 28. Again, the marching orders were given to the apostles. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He gives that to a group of, 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 of uh, apostles, disciples, if you will, at the time ultimately called dis, uh, apostles. Now, again, notice there's a couple things that are taking place. He tells them to go, yes. Now, we already identified the fact that he told them that you need to wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. We see that in Acts chapter 2 with Pentecost. Holy Spirit descends. Boy, we see evidence of that dissension uh, through the tongues. It was a sign. By the way, again, remember I told you there were only Jews present? Can I tell you why there were, there were signs? Because the Jew requires a sign according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. See, the Jew requires that. They, they need signs. That goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses is on the mountaintop and we see him talking to that burning bush and he says, why are they going to believe me? What am I going to tell them? He says, you tell them I am sent you, right? But what else did he do? He said, I'll tell you what, you're holding a staff in your hand, throw it down. He throws it down and what happened? Turned into a serpent. What's he say? Now pick it up. Picks it up, turns back to a staff. He goes, now, if they don't believe that, he goes, put your hand in your, your, your uh, coat pocket, so to speak. He puts it in, pulls it out, it's leprosy. It's, it's, it's filled with leprosy. He says, now put it back in. Pulls it back out, clean, white as snow. He goes, there's a couple signs for you. Who are they going to go deal with? Who was he going to face and who was he going to talk to? Who was he trying to convince that the God of heaven had heard their cry? Jews. Hebrews. Those that, would be come, go, that went in a people that are going to come out a nation. Out of Egypt. And the Jew has always required a sign. Can I tell you what they're going to need when God begins to deal with them again in the tribulation period? Signs. We don't need signs now. We have the word of God, a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible says. Now, in cha after cha uh, Matthew 28 now, here we are. We're dealing now at this, this point in history where Christ is preparing to ascend back to the Father. He's preparing to send the Holy Ghost back, the Comforter, to them and then kick off the work of evangelizing and reaching the world with the gospel to prepare the world for Jesus Christ who will ultimately return and sit on a throne and rule and reign. And he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. When he talks about teaching the nations in that first portion, it sounds very similar to that other portion where it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. But may I say that he's not, he's not duplicating what he said. What he's getting at is there's a difference here. When you go into those nations, you are to teach them. Teach them what? Teach them about Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. The fact that he alone is salvation, that neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the teaching that they need. And that they can become believers, but not only believers, but they become part of the body. Not only that, but they can be actually sons of God if they'll put and place their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he's telling them to teach them. But then he says, baptizing them. So they're to hear the gospel, and they're to believe the gospel. They're to be baptized. And then once they're baptized, then they're to be taught to observe all things. The all things are found in the word of God. I know, I understand that salvation and Christ and, 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 and the gospel is found here as well, but the word of God, how to live, how to, how to think, what to do, how to please the master, how to fulfill your God-given purpose in life. 
to please God. They're to teach them that. So baptism is essential. It's absolutely necessary. It is part of what we often refer to as the Great Commission. It is not enough to take the gospel into the world, and that's it. It's not even enough to win them to Jesus Christ. We have not fulfilled our God-given purpose as a church. We've not fulfilled the commission or the responsibility of the New Testament church if we simply take the gospel and tell people how to be saved. And even if they get saved, we're still not completely fulfilling the responsibility and role that God gave us as a church. He says you've got to baptize them now. But not only that, you still haven't fulfilled it. Even if you go there and you win them to Christ and you baptize them through the authority of a local church. Hey, by the way, every missionary that is sent out to go start a church on the field across the, 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 uh, in another continent has the authority and has been sent out by a New Testament Bible-believing church who had authority to baptize because they can trace their authority all the way back to a church and theirs to a church all the way back to the apostles and Jesus Christ. They're winning people to Christ. They're baptizing people, but then the Bible says not only them, but all of us now need to be sharing the gospel, sharing the truth of the word of God with people, equipping them in the word of God, helping them to learn how to live their life And the very things that we have observed, uh, learned to observe, we're to teach them to observe. I think it's interesting, and I know I'm getting a little off subject here, but teaching them to observe all things. What does the word observe mean? Hmm, I'm looking at it. That's not really the context of uh, what he's trying to get across. He's denoting something here. They're observing it. They're following through with it. They're doing it. See, the Christian life isn't about just your heart. It's about your actions. See, we're to teach them to observe all things. There's some things as believers we ought to be doing. And he says that's what we're to teach them. What to do, how to look and how to act and where to go and what not to do and what not to, how not to act and how to think and what to believe and what the Word of God teaches in all those areas. This idea today that all God cares about is your heart. Well, how's come he told them, teaching them to observe all things? What's I've commanded you? Why would he just say believe all things? Because there's more to it than just believing the truth. It's acting and living by the truth. And so, in Matthew 28, we see this requirement for every New Testament local church to go out and to teach all nations, giving the gospel, ensuring they understand salvation by grace through faith, then baptizing them, and then teaching and training them. How many souls were saved last year? I think 173 souls last year. I think the year before was over 200. How many baptisms? I think we only had 50-some baptisms last year. This year it's down from that even. What's the problem? Let me tell you something. We better be careful because we're getting real close to not fulfilling the Great Commission here. I'm just saying, I understand that it's not up to us to make sure people get in the baptistry water. I realize that they're going to make their own decisions and make their own choices. But hold on a second. We better be equipped and we better be able to explain to them and share with them why it's so important and why the Bible teaches that they must be baptized. Because the Bible teaches that they do need to be baptized according to Matthew 28. 
If you're in this room and you claim to have trusted Christ to believe on the Lord Jesus and you know that you're saved because of what he did for you on Calvary and you've never been baptized, my friend, you haven't really started growing yet. You still need to, you need to take a step of obedience because it's a biblical principle. You got it? Let's go ahead and run through it. If you can get that up there. I went up earlier and checked it to make sure it laid out right because sometimes from my computer to this one, it gets all crazy. So we'll see how it works today. It looked good. Hey, can you guys wake up up there? We're having church down here. (laughs) They're awake. I'm messing with you. (laughs) They probably have this... uh, you know, they probably got in a sugar comb up there. You know, we hear about these stories about the, the sound guys, you know, drinking pop and eating candy bars and stuff while we're down here sweating it out. All right, starting strong. Now, again, this is a PowerPoint that we're going to make available to everyone and anyone that wants it because we want to make sure that you as a soul winner, or you that are sharing, uh, the, you know, the gospel with fa- family and friends and others, once they come to Christ, you can take this particular presentation, if you so choose, and, and just walk them through it. I don't know about you, but I found that people are really enamored with visuals today and that they really want to be, I mean, just talking to people, you can lose them because they're so used to seeing things and, and, I, and, and looking at them, you know what I mean? So I think this is helpful. So anyway, starting strong. Now, I've led somebody to Christ, we'll say, and it was the week before, possibly. I invited him to church, and, and, uh, or, or maybe, maybe I just led him to Christ right there on the spot, you know? And, but, but a lot of times, I may use this a week or two later even. Once, you know, if I didn't see him in church, I go back and visit with them. I say, listen, man, listen, let's talk a little bit about that decision you made. Here, I pull up my phone bring, or my, my little uh, iPad or whatever it is, and I pop this thing up, and I say, starting strong. Now, listen, you re- did you receive and accept Christ? He said, yeah. Well, let's, get, let's run through that a little bit, because I want you to start strong. I don't want you to start weak. I want you to start strong. If you start strong, you've got a better chance of ending strong. Now, here we go. First of all, we need to settle our salvation. We've got to have that settled. So, first of all, we recognize last time we got together and we sat down and talked that we're sinners. Remember we talked about that? Over in the Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we read, For all sin and come short of the glory of God. Remember? Remember how we talked about that? We turned to that. All of us are sinners. None of us measures up to God's perfect standard, right? Well, Romans 3.10 said, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. The truth is that we're all sinners. Remember how we talked about that? Yeah. You'd still say, you're a sinner, right? Yeah, so am I. And that's the truth, right? Man is on one side. God is on the other. And sin stands between us and God. And we got to deal with that sin because that sin is a mess. Yep, yep. All right, well, you know that sin demands a payment. Last week when we talked about it, we turned to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, we talked about that word death a little bit, remember? Death can't really be fully understood without going to Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Over there, the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The fact is, is that there's two deaths, right? Remember we discussed that? We talked about that? You die physically and you'll die spiritually. Physically, you end up in the grave. But spiritually, when you die, you end up eternally separated from God in a place called the lake of fire. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, we did, yeah. I'm just taking them right through the gospel. I want them to understand the decision they made. I don't want them to have any question about what they did. Because sometimes I get, I get the idea that people, let's be honest, we, we meet them at a door, 
Maybe we even deal with them in the church. And sometimes maybe they weren't quite on board as we thought. Can I say it that way? Maybe they were, they're, they're, the, the Holy Spirit was speaking to them, but they weren't really getting it. Maybe they didn't want to seem stupid or dumb or ignorant. You say, boy, those words flow off your lips pretty quick. Yeah, I heard them all my life growing up. Did <laughs> you like that, how I fixed that in there? My, my dad's not in here, I could say that. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> so sin demands a payment. I am scarred for life, by the way. I need psychological help. But nonetheless, <laughs> Romans 6, 23, we see that. Sin demands a payment. Now, I take him, I say, all right. We also learned that Christ paid for our sin debt on the cross. We talked about that, remember? Yeah. Now, listen, they should remember some of this if you just talk to them a week or two. And you're going right back through it. For, but God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ died for your sin? Oh, yeah, I am. Well, in Isaiah 53, 5, the Bible says, but he, that, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Boy, I'll tell you, Jesus Christ paid the price. I mean, he paid our sin debt on the cross. And finally, we noted, we must accept his free gift of salvation. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And before we, we, we got too much further, remember, we talked about praying and inviting Christ into our life, how we could uh, apply that sacrifice, how we could make that, uh, that, 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 you know, gain that salvation. It was by calling on the Lord. Notice Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, did that make sense to you when we went through it? Yes. Did you do that? Did you invite Christ into your life? And did you understand that only he could save you? Did you realize that he alone is, has the ability to wash your sin away? Did you mean business with him that day? Yeah. All right. Well, good. We had to settle that first. Now that you're on your way to heaven. It's important because now, see, you've settled your soul's salvation. You don't have to look back. You don't have to worry about where you'll spend eternity. But you do have to look forward. So the next step. Okay, you're saved, but what's the next step? That's a good question, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's a great step. A great, great question, excuse me. All right, well, here it is. The next step, baptism. You need to be baptized. You got to be baptized. You say, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> baptism is a, a prerequisite. Every believer is to be baptized after being saved. Hey, listen, I I'm not telling you anything that God's, doesn't, God's word doesn't tell everybody that trusts him. Every single, including me, I was baptized out of obedience to the Lord. I'm the one, I made that decision too. And I'm telling you, just like I was told and I was taught from the word of God, that baptism is a prerequisite and every believer is to be baptized after being saved. The Bible tells us in Acts 2.41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. See, baptism is a step of obedience. That's all it is. It's a simple step. Do you know what? It's interesting. Anybody can be baptized. It doesn't take any intellectual ability. You don't have to have any kind of special upbringing. You don't need some kind of training. You don't have to go to school or, or learn something any extra. It's just simple. Anybody can be baptized. You don't even have to have uh, every, every extremity. You don't have to have every uh, ability. You just simply need to be willing. Obedient. Now, you may not say everything I'm saying. I get on a roll. I'm sorry. Baptism is a prerequisite. Every believer is to be baptized after being saved. See, you're not going to grow in Christ your Christian life until you take this next step. 
In, first Corinthians, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. God wants you to continue to grow. He wants you to abound in the truth. He wants you to keep going on the upscale. He doesn't want you to just neglect him or his word. He wants you to learn about him and his word more and more and more. And it'll edify you. It'll strengthen you. It'll make you better. You need to grow. And so do I. And the truth is, you'll never grow in your Christian life until you are willing to take this next step. Because, see, this step's the easiest of all steps because it just simply takes a willing heart. A simple act of obedience. The Bible gives some examples of baptism following salvation. You did, you've invited Christ in your life, you said, right? Yeah. Well, then guess what? The next step's baptism. Look at it in the Bible. There's all kinds of examples of this. In the New Testament, we see the Ethiopian eunuch. After Philip had shared the gospel and the eunuch believed in Christ, we're going to read something. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 36. He's telling him the gospel. He's teaching him about Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Hold on. Philip's got a question for him. Philip said, if thou believest, you don't really have a question, but a statement. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Well, he'd just been preaching to him Jesus, the Bible says. I, that's pretty specific, right? Do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> pretty simple. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Mayest what? Be baptized. And he answered and said, hey, by the way, it doesn't do any good to be baptized until you put your personal faith and trust in Christ. Does no good whatsoever. Notice, and I just threw that in. But, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They both went down into the water. Went down into the water. And that's something. And he baptized him. Why? Because he had put his faith in Christ. Hey, after he believed, what happened? He was baptized, right? Yep, that's right. Well, guess what? The apostle Paul, he's on the road to Damascus, and, and the Lord meets with him. And he, he puts his faith in Christ. And following his salvation, we read in Acts 9, 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. The apostle Paul, ultimately, we're going to, you'll read books in the New Testament written by him, but once he was saved, he was baptized. See, in the New Testament, when someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, when someone believes on the Lord, then they are baptized. We see the Philippian jailer. We know that after the earthquake takes place, and prior to that earthquake, Paul and Silas, they're stuck in a cell. They're in a prison, but there's an earthquake. And we learn that after the earthquake, believing that his prisoners had escaped, he... He's prepared to take his own life, this, this jailer is. And Paul and Silas stop him and assure him that everyone's present. And then we read this. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And thy house. Oh, this is where I like to throw this in. It's interesting that when a man comes to Christ how God expects him to share Christ with his family. But anyway, we'll move on. So anyway, 
He says, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Listen, that, that, you, you may think that goes back to Isaiah. Be careful there. But, but he's washing their stripes. They're literally been beaten and now and was baptized and all his straightway. His family that received Christ. His family that believed as well. So this guy's getting saved and he's trusting Christ, and he's being baptized. It's that simple. So we learn that baptism is a prerequisite. You get saved, you get baptized. It's also a privilege. Jesus Christ himself was baptized. Over in the book of Matthew 3.16, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway and out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Wait a second. Yeah, that's all right. You can you just chill out. I'll get it right later. Chill. Calm down now. As my dad would say, put your kickstand down. Man, I'm telling you what, I don't know what happened there. I'm going to blame the sound guys. Let's get rid of that immediately. There fell from his eyes. Okay, not yet, but I'll take care of that later. But obviously, let's just stop right there. I am well pleased, okay? We'll stop there for now, okay? All right, let's put our kickstands back up and keep going. Okay, so here we go. We got Jesus Christ himself was baptized. Okay, that's important, isn't it? Jesus was baptized. Now, did Jesus have to be baptized? It, it's not making him righteous, that's for sure. Not in the sense that it's making him righteous. He was already righteous. He was already perfect. He was doing it as, as an example to us. And look at that. We have the privilege of being baptized just like he was, to follow in his footsteps. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the Lord gives me an opportunity to follow in his footsteps. What a blessing that is. What a privilege that is. So baptism's a prerequisite, it's a privilege. But not only that, baptism's a picture. It pictures Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You know how the Bible tells us that he died, was buried, and rose again? Every time somebody is, is, is baptized, guess what? It's a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. But more than that, it pictures your death in Christ and new life as a result. I may change this uh, graphic. But nonetheless, we see in Romans 6, 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism. Remember I told you, and I'm going to deviate here for a minute. I wouldn't tell them this. But remember when I told you that baptism is either water or it's spiritual in most cases? Well, guess what? This baptism is not water here. But it sure fits real nice because it's going to ultimately help them to understand how they died, was buried, and rose again with him. Okay, so watch what happens. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, baptism is not being saved. It's not that we go into water and we come out a new man. It's that we, go in, we die to who we were and we go into the body of Christ and we resurrect a new man. That's the reality here. And that's what the baptism pictures. The baptism pictures the fact that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. But it also pictures that we died with him that day on Calvary. We were buried to who and what we were and we're raised to walk in newness of life. We're a new creature in Christ now. That's something that happened inside. And it'll affect the outside. So we see that it pictures your death in Christ and new life as a result. So Acts 2.41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Have you received his word? 
Did you put your faith and trust in Christ? Did you hear the truth and believe the truth and ultimately receive Christ? Yes, I did. Then what's the next step? And they say what? They got to say baptism. Isn't that right? I mean, what would they say after hearing this and seeing this? Baptism. The question is, will you obey God's word and be baptized then? There it is. Now I'll fix that one spot. But the bottom line is, it's real simple, isn't it? I don't know about you, and, and, I, and you could get through this a lot quicker than I just did even. But honestly, I, I believe that if we'll take the time to realize how important baptism... You, you know why most of us struggle with sharing baptism with people? We're afraid they're going to run for the hills. I'm just glad they got saved, amen? No, that's not enough because that's not fulfilling the Great Commission. And furthermore, that's not in their best interest. If you really care about them, they have to be baptized biblically and scripturally or they're not obedient to the word of God. And if they're not obedient in that simple step of obedience, then I'm telling you, they're not going to take more difficult, more complicated steps of obedience. Anybody can be baptized and they need to know baptism's important. And they need to identify with a body of truth and identify with a body of believers and they've got to get on the end so that they can be personally trained and taught and ultimately grow in Christ. So baptism is so vital and so important. And if it's not important to us and we don't understand how important it is, we'll never be able to convey that to others that need baptism. This is just a tool. It's a tool is all it is. And again, I, I believe that a tool, a visual tool, is much more effective than simply telling people. Now again, I'm not saying you have to use it. But let me say this. What we're doing is not working. So maybe we need to try something different. I say use it. Let's see what happens. Let's see if people don't, if the light bulb don't click. Let's see if it doesn't move them to obedience. Let's give it a shot. And you say, why are you sharing it on Sunday night? Because some of us don't even tell anybody about the Lord. Because I think everybody needs to at least understand how important baptism is. And you know what? You just may lead somebody to Christ this year or at the end of this year or, the, or next year. Maybe you will ultimately get that opportunity. You'll open your Bible and tell some family member, friend, how to be saved, and then you're going to wish you knew how to do this. I wanted everyone to know how to do it. Equipping us to get the job done according to the Word of God. Baptism. It's a prerequisite. Everybody's to be baptized after being saved. You'll not grow in your Christian life until you take the next step. The Bible gives some examples of uh, biblical baptism in the Ethiopian unit, the Apostle Paul, and also the Philippian jailer. Baptism's a privilege also. Jesus Christ himself was baptized. And guess what? You now have the privilege of following in the Lord's footsteps. But not only that, it's a picture. It's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's also a picture of your death in Christ and your new life as a result. Have you received him? Have you accepted him? Then what's the next step? Baptism. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty simple. Well, let's do this as we close tonight. First of all, if you don't know for sure you're saved, you need to get that settled. If you have any doubts, any concerns, I want you to know that you can know. And there are folks in, in, at, at the church that it's not about a Baptist thing. It's not about a church thing. It's about a biblical thing, a Bible thing. It's Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with him. 
And there are folks that can help you, uh, help you by showing you verses in Scripture that will in, help you understand that Christ alone can save you. And he will if you'll just let him. But maybe you already know Christ. Hey, let's fulfill the Great Commission in our lives. I don't want to see a raise of hands. But I wonder how many would make a commitment to do their best over the next year even. Over the year, end of 2019, 2020. And say, you know what, as of right now, I'm going to do my best to share this with someone and get them in a baptismal water. I wonder how many people would be willing to say, I want someone to be baptized because I taught them how important it is in their life. And maybe I'll be the one that leads them to Christ. Maybe I won't. Maybe it'll be a mom or a dad or aunt or uncle or a brother or sister that trusted Christ that hasn't followed through yet in baptism and needs to get biblically baptized. I want them to be on board with God. I want them to be obedient in the simple thing, the simple step, that first step. How many, I wonder, would be willing to say, I'll make that commitment. I'm going to work at that. I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to, uh, as soon as you fix it, Pastor, <laughs> as soon as you get it right for a change, then I'm going to make sure I put that on my phone or on my iPad or uh, on my, my Galaxy whatever and make sure I've got it. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share it with somebody that needs it. And I'm, I'm going to try to find, I want, to, I want someone to be baptized because of me this year whether it's me leading them or me sharing this truth with them, I want to be the reason somebody's in that baptismal water. Well, I'll tell you what, that'd be a great commitment to make. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together, and we just ask, Lord, you'd help us. And again, Lord, there's no doubt that it can be intimidating to think about sharing certain truths with people, afraid that maybe it'll be too much, that it'll just kind of overwhelm them. But Lord, the truth is, is that we hear information every day, and we are bombarded with information this is good information. Lord, help us to be bold with the truth, not because we want to try to pressure people to do things, but we want to give them the tools they need. We want to equip them with the truth that will ultimately make them free. Father, it's up to them what they do with the truth, but help us to present the truth, to give them what they need, to successfully navigate the Christian life. And Lord, maybe many of the believers, even tonight, in the, the, the pew. They may not come to an altar, but Lord, even where they're at, they're saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to be the reason someone's in a baptismal water this coming year. Boy, Lord, what a blessing that would be to be able to watch somebody baptized and know that you played a part, a role in them being obedient to the next step. Setting them on the right course. Helping them to identify with a body of truth and a body of believers even. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you'd be with those that are in the crowd that may not even know for sure heaven's their home, or if they don't have that settled, if the music begins to play, won't you give them courage, Lord, just to step out and come forward and see me at the front and allow me to have someone take a Bible and show them some truths, help them to see that Jesus Christ can make them free indeed. We'll thank you, we'll praise you in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed as the music plays, you come.